All right, so with that all said, got something really special and really cool in store for you today. Who here knows our technical director on staff, Andrew Metcalf? All right, let's give it up for Andrew, right? We love Andrew around here. Andrew makes the magic happen for us both in Sunday morning experiences, but behind the scenes as well. Did you know that Andrew is a triplet? Right? Not a lot of people knew this. Today, I get the honor and opportunity of introducing to you his older brother by six minutes. All right? We have Brandon Metcalf here with us today, who just graduated from Concordia Seminary, who is getting ordained this coming Saturday, is getting installed at his first church in Bethalto, Illinois, which is not too far from East St. Louis, this coming Sunday. And his last weekend of freedom, he is coming to share with us here today, and he is coming to preach with us here today. He is bringing the thunder. All right, so let's give it up for Brandon Metcalf. Come on up. Now, I don't know the style of the church that Brandon is coming into, but I, don't, I do know in this, that in the LCMS or Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod world, feedback is not often common from the congregation. So I think we need to go full board Pentecostal on Brandon here today. And we're gonna practice. You hear something he likes. You hear something that he says that you like. I need to hear like, Preach it, brother, or amen. I mean, we, we want to kind of throw him off his gate here today. That is our real joy. So, so can you practice with a, with a big amen? Amen. Can, can we hear a good preach it, brother? Preach it, brother. Can we hear a good, like, cheer and clap and scream and yell? Intermittently just do that to him, no matter what is going on contextually, and let's see what happens. Brandon, brother, thank you for coming today. Thanks, All right, I'll get out of Thanks. your hair. So I was actually going to say that exact same thing. So Pastor Dave already covered that. You guys are ready. Uh, no, feedback's always good. Uh, so that's my, uh, my family there. Uh, my wife, uh, Dana, our son, Benjamin, our daughter, Eliza. And uh, the picture, it's our last family picture is from graduation, uh, which is significant for two things. I like wearing the hat because it was really hot out and... Uh, some of y'all don't live that life, but I got to have a hat on if I'm outside for more than five minutes. That's right. That's right. And the other thing is, that meant I get to be retired again from school. I retired after undergrad, uh, went and I was the director of Christian education, did children's youth family ministry, and I was not going back to school ever. Uh, and then five years later, God had a different uh, plan for me, and so I get to be re-retired from school, and it's... Uh, it's, it's just a, an amazing blessing. It's great to be with, uh, with you guys here this morning. Uh, I'm going to read our uh, passage that we're going to be diving into. It's from Isaiah ch chapter 6, if you want to follow along. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were two seraphim each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook. The temple was filled with smoke. 
Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, here am I. Send me. Amen. So the question we're going to, the phrase we're going to be thinking about uh, this morning is what if? What if? I mean, it's a a Marvel series apparently now on, on Disney Plus. They're exploring all sorts of things that could happen. Uh, in, in their, their universe just so they can confuse everyone as to what exactly is canon and what's not and what's going on and what if. You can ask whatever questions you want. See, what if it is a question that allows us to explore all sorts of unknown possibilities. Like, what if birds, when they're flying and they're singing, what if they're not actually singing? What if they're screaming because they're afraid of heights? I mean, that kind of changes your perspective on a beautiful spring day. (laughs) Or what if instead of police dogs in the canine unit, we had police spiders, giant police spiders? I mean, I I feel like our jails would be empty. (laughs) Or or what if instead of driving normal-sized cars, our police and our fire department combined and our police officers all drove fire trucks. Like at that point, if you get pulled over, it's 100% on you if you don't see a fire truck. That's like getting stopped by a school bus or getting a ticket from Clifford the Big Red Dog. (laughs) What if? I mean, there's any number of, of what if questions that allow us to explore a possible future. But what if questions also sometimes draw us into the past, and we wonder, what if life was different? What if something else had changed? See, sometimes it can be kind of a fun question to explore, but oftentimes, what if is actually a question that consumes us and controls us? Because either I look towards the future, and I continue to ask what if, and I never find the hope and the certainty that I'm looking for, all I find is worry. I mean, what if the economy doesn't get better? What if I don't have my job? What if the diagnosis isn't good? What if we can't have children? What if, what if, what if? And that question simply compounds on one another until I'm worried about things that are so far away from reality and yet that's where I'm living, consumed with anxiety, with worry, and the question, what if? Or I look back at my life and and ask what if in a way that causes me to be filled with regret and guilt? What if I hadn't done that? What if this hadn't happened in my family? What if that person was still alive? What if I hadn't moved? What if I hadn't changed careers? What if my relationship, my marriage was still together? 
What if that person was still around? And I can look back on my past and be filled with anger or sorrow or most often guilt. See, what if is the question that we ask most often in life? It consumes us. Because either I'm living in a future that I can't control or living in a past that I can't change. And in the meantime, what I'm missing out is the present. I'm missing on the opportunities that God has put right in front of me because I'm trying to control the future or change the past, neither of which we can do. But it doesn't stop us from asking what if time and time again. And let me tell you, it's exhausting. It's exhausting trying to control a future that you can't control. It's exhausting trying to change a past that you can't go back and change. So no wonder so many of us are exhausted. No wonder so many people in this world are tired and worn out and don't know what to do. It's because we're going to the wrong place. See, I think a lot of people are asking this what if question, and we end up looking something like this. Here's a picture I want to I share. So this is probably a familiar spot that we find ourselves in. You're sitting next to a wall. Your knees are kind of crouched up. Your head is in your hands. And so I wonder... For this woman, what, what if is she asking? I, I want you to, to think about that for a moment. Is what do you think led her to this position where you're sitting on the floor, your head is in your hands, and you don't know what comes next? I mean, maybe you're thinking what caused this is a relationship problem. Maybe she can't believe it. She said this. She can't believe that that person is gone. Can't believe what happened. Or she's at a crossroads and she doesn't know which, which direction to go. Maybe it's a relationship issue. Maybe she's sitting like this, head in her hands, because it's a financial issue, right? Maybe she just filled her pump with gas. And, and, and she just doesn't understand what's going on. Maybe she, she thought she, right? I wish I could fix that, but maybe she's running into an issue with her, her bank account. She thought she had something in there, and all of a sudden the number's way lower than she thought it was. She thought she had her future mapped out, and all of a sudden things aren't looking so secure. Maybe it's a financial issue. Maybe it's a spiritual issue. Maybe she's prayed time and time again for God to take this addiction away, to repair this relationship, to change her circumstances, and it seems like no one's listening. And so she finds herself with nowhere to turn, sitting on the floor, head in her hands. I don't know what to do. I don't even know if God's listening. What if 
he's not there? What if the finances don't turn around? What if I'm alone? What if, what if, what if? So what we as church have to think about is how does the miracle of Pentecost reach her? Right, because what we talked about last week, what we celebrated throughout the world is that the Holy Spirit became known to people through the preaching of the word. 3,000 people were saved through this miraculous intervention of the word of God, and yet she wouldn't have been there. She was not where the sermon was preached. There are so many people in this world that are not here. They're not where the sermon is being preached, where the Holy Spirit is working through the word. How does Pentecost get to her? God has to send someone. God has to send someone. See, the miracle of Pentecost is not just when a large crowd is gathered. See, the crowd leaves. They go home. They go to work. They go to school. They go to wherever it is that God has sent them, and they carry with them the Holy Spirit of God, the very promises and presence of the Lord to people that may not hear the sermon. See, we're not the only people that have asked what if. We're not the only people that God has put in positions to reach the hurting and the broken. Our reading from Isaiah 6, the context of it is that there are people that are asking, what if? Right, so here's the, the, just the first part of our reading. Isaiah 6, verse 1, just the first few words. In the year that King Uzziah died. Now, I've, I've gotten to know a couple names here. I don't know everyone's name here. Let me confess that. But I'm assuming some of you have biblical names, right? Uh, Peter or Paul or Mary or someone else in that band, right? A lot of people, we have biblical names. Are there any Uzziahs in the room? Anyone like a middle name, like Melchizedek, Uzziah? I don't think so. All right, maybe it'll change, right? Martin Luther King Jr., for example, his original name was Michael King, and then his, his father learned about Martin Luther in a trip to Germany, and they changed his name and his son's name. So maybe after today, we'll have like 12 Uzziahs running around Fellowship of Faith. So King Uzziah, right? We don't, we've never heard about this guy, but for the people in Isaiah chapter 6 who are hearing this message of God, Uzziah had been their king for 50 years. Uzziah was the king who kept their borders secure. The enemies were surrounding them, and Uzziah held the kingdom secure. In the year that King Uzziah died, you think God's people are asking some questions right now? You think they're wondering, what if the next king isn't as good? See, what if our enemies become stronger? What if they break through the walls? What if we lose everything that we've built? What if all my dreams are changed in a moment? They're looking at their future and they can't control it. They're also looking at their past and they're thinking, what if we hadn't followed those other gods? You see, that's the story of God's people throughout the Old Testament. 
What if we had been faithful? Maybe we wouldn't be in this situation. So they're filled with worry about their future. They're filled with guilt about their past. They're a lot like us. And it's to worried, anxious people that Isaiah is given a vision. Let's continue on in our verse. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne. This is the vision that we would want at first glance. In the year that King Uzziah died, what I want is, give me a vision of the next king. Is he going to be as good? Give me a vision of the enemies collapsing. Give me a vision of prosperous, secure, safe life. And that's not what God gives because that's not what we need. In the year that King Uzziah died, in the midst of worry and anxiety and fear, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. King Uzziah is dead. The throne of Israel is empty. But what Isaiah sees, his message to give to worried, broken, anxious people, is the throne of Israel may be empty, but the throne of heaven is not. The throne of Israel may be empty, but the throne of heaven is not, and it makes all the difference. That's the message that we need when we're consumed with what if. Is that God still reigns. And so we see as we go throughout this vision, we get a glimpse of, of heaven, of these angels that are crying, holy, holy, holy. And we see the work of God in answering our what if questions through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, our triune God, doesn't answer our what-ifs with a vision of the next king, with a vision of prosperity, with a vision of our bank account, our relationships. He answers our questions by giving us himself. And just in case you don't realize how radical that is, Every single other religion, you can go throughout the world, every single other religion, you work your way to God. You climb through your behavior, through your prayers, through whatever it is that you do, you work your way to God. And so you're constantly asking, what, have I done enough? What if I haven't done enough? What if he saw that? What if, what if, what if? The only the only religion where God comes to you is what we are celebrating right here today. That God comes to us in his son, Jesus Christ. You don't have to work your way. It's not your efforts. God comes to you. See, in response to your what-if questions, God doesn't say, hey, try harder, pray more, give more. God says, I will come to you. So God the Father comes to us as a father comes to his dear children. He says, I will provide. 
And what God does when he gives us himself the care of the Father is he takes away our need to ask what if about the future. Because we know we have a God, you have a Father who will take care of you. And so what if I lose my job? God will provide. What if the diagnosis isn't good? What if cancer does take away my breath? Cancer may take your breath, the disease may take your body, but it cannot take your life because your life is in Christ Jesus. No matter the what if, God will provide for you. He will provide for whatever the need that arises. Sometimes it's it's miraculously through his intervention. Oftentimes, though, it's through his people as we take care of one another, as we take care of the neighbors that God has given us. God will provide. So I don't need to ask what if about my future. I know my future is secure in Christ Jesus. I don't know all the pages of the story, but I know the ending. Right? I know that in the end, Jesus wins. And so regardless of what happens between now and then, I know the final chapter of the story. And that helps me understand and walk through the other parts of the story. I don't need to ask what if about the future. And we also don't need to ask what if about the past. See, I can't go back and undo the choices that I've made. I mean, I can't go back and change whatever it is that has been done to me or that I have done to someone else. But God can, and God has. See, when Jesus came to this world, that's exactly what he did. Isaiah 6 talks about forgiveness from guilt and from sin. And that the Old Testament word for that literally means to carry. So often that's what we do with our past is we carry it with us and it makes every single step harder and harder because I'm not just walking through the present. I'm carrying all the burdens of what people have said, of what I think about myself of what what I'm worried about, what I can't seem to forget. I carry that with me, and it weighs me down every single step. Jesus came to this world to carry that so you don't have to. He went to the cross to forgive it so we can leave it there. Christ took on all of your past, all of your shame, all of your guilt. On the cross, he carried it. He covered it, and he left it there so you can too. You don't need to carry your past anymore because Christ Jesus has already done it for you. You don't need to ask what if. You just need to remember Jesus' words from the cross, it is finished. And not by you. You don't need to finish anything. Jesus has done it for you. You are forgiven. You're not what your past says you are. You are who Jesus says that you are. So we don't need to worry about trying to control the future because God's got you. We don't need to worry about trying to change the past because Jesus already has. And so the gift of the Holy Spirit allows us to live in the present. 
to actually be present among the people that God has given to us. Not running around trying to change something or control something, but to be present. So let's return back to our picture from earlier. What does she need in this moment? She needs to know whatever her what if is, that there's a God who is holding her, who will provide for her, who one day will raise her from the dead just like he raised Jesus. She needs to know that whatever it is in her past, maybe that's the reason why her head is in her hands. Whatever it is in her past is forgiven, is covered. She is not defined by what that is. And how does that get delivered to her if she's not here in this place to hear it? It's because God is sending you. The miracle of Pentecost continues as lives are changed by the word and the promises of God and as we are sent with that word, with those promises to go and first just to sit. To sit next to this person. To sit next to your friend, your spouse, your neighbor, your coworker, And eventually to share with them the promises of God that the Holy Spirit would work through his word, that we could be present with people so that they would know they are not alone. And that in your moments, in your moments when this is you, when you're, you're sitting on the ground, your head is in your hands, you're, you're asking what if, you don't know what comes next, you don't know how you can recover from what happened, that you would know that you're not alone. The body of Christ would sit with you would cry with you, would hold you, would pray with you, and ultimately would share the promises of the God who will carry you to that day where he makes all things new. Amen. This is what the world needs, guys. Because there's so many people that this is their life, and they, they've tried everything that they can possibly do, and what they don't realize is you can't fix it. Christ has. And one day he will. See, the truth that we need in the midst of what if questions is to not look at the throne of this world, not look at the throne of Israel, but to look at the throne of heaven. Amen. To realize that God reigns. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. God reigns. In the year, or now years, that coronavirus has raged, God sits on the throne. In the year that the economy is in downturn, God still reigns. In the year that your marriage crumbled, God reigns. In the year that everything seemed to be falling apart, God reigns. In the year of your prosperity, in the year of your questions, God sits on the throne. God reigns and he is for you. He sent his son for you. He forgives you. He carries you. God reigns. So we don't have to live worrying about the future. We don't have to live in fear of the past. We've been freed. We have freedom to live in the present. 
to be God's witnesses, to enjoy the gifts that he's given us, to spread those gifts with those around us. We're freed to live in the present with people around us, to be a blessing to those because God has been a blessing to us. That's a life worth living. That life is yours today, tomorrow, and every day in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank and we praise you for who you are, that in Christ Jesus you came to us because you know we couldn't come to you. You came to us through your son. You carried our past. You gave us a hope and a future. Lord, remind us that that's who we are today and equip us, empower us through your Holy Spirit to be sent to those who haven't heard, who don't know, who have forgotten, who have rejected your message, that we would sit, that we would listen, and that ultimately we would proclaim your promises to a world that needs it. Lord, we thank and we praise you for who you are, that in the midst of whatever questions we're asking, that you reign, you live, that you are for us. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.